welcome to the Rochdale AFC.com podcast. Hopefully you've actually heard my introduction this week and I haven't cut it off with the intro song. My name is Dean, aka At The Peak, and I am joined, as always, by Chaff. Chaff, how are you, mate? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, not bad at all. And we've also got Ryan with us, as as always. Ryan, how are you getting on? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, in a good mood now because football's getting closer, so uh, yeah, all good. Yeah, we've got quite a few things to talk about, haven't we, boys? After the last few days, we've made our first signing uh, of the summer. There's been news about season ticket prices. There's been a statement from the chairman that, that's obviously caused quite a lot of debate on the forum and on social media. So um, we'll get stuck into all that and we'll also look at maybe some players that we uh, we think we might need to sign or some, some areas we might need to strengthen before the season starts. Um, despite what the uh, chairman's statement from yesterday said, uh, which makes it look like we won't be signing many at all. But uh, we'll start with the um, the news of the uh, the season ticket announcement, the the prices. Uh, Chaff, there's been a bit of a, an increase, hasn't there? But that's to be expected, I think, given the current circumstances. Well, yeah, because the, the club was said that they were going to increase the season ticket prices before lockdown anyway when the fans forum went on in February they said there'd probably be a small increase um, so going I'm going to take the Sandy Lane tickets as an example going from £150 to £200 is not unreasonable um, if you ask me it still puts us as one of the cheapest season tickets probably in the whole EFL um, to be honest with you and I think we're, I think I'm right in saying we're still cheaper now than we were 10 years ago which I think is uh some statement really um, yeah it's, uh, I don't think the season ticket prices are, are bad at all to be honest with you I expected a little bit more of an increase if I'm honest yeah right is, is that fair I know you sort of uh, defended the, the increase as well haven't you over the last couple of days do you think um, do you think were you expecting like maybe a, a higher increase or um, was this what you were expecting around this sort of um, it's not a minimal increase, but it's definitely not as high as, as it could have been. Yeah, I, I was expecting more, to be honest. I think for I going to the main stand, um, I was expecting to probably be paying probably 450 400 to 450 so I can't grumble with it. I think it's expected our average, if we're with this capacity crowd all season, it's still going to be a thousand lower than our average gate normally. So they've got to make the money somehow. Um, and the increase was, was expected. I've been baffled by some of the poor feedback they've got from it. But it's, um, yeah, expected, but happy with it, to be honest, and more than willing to pay it. I think they've got the, um, the six-month instalment plan in place as well, which which will hopefully help quite a few people. Um, so yeah, I think, think it's positive personally. Jeff, just playing devil's advocate for a second though, um, the chairman's statement the other night suggested that we're going to be in for quite a tough season on the pitch. Um, obviously a lot of people will be struggling financially at the moment because of the whole situation um, outside of football. Um, and then an increase of prices on top of that. Um, looking at it like that, it could be seen as well. It could be seen as maybe putting a few people off getting a season ticket next season. Do you not think? Um, yeah, 
Um, the, the chairman's statement, you've got to applaud the transparency that we get um, and just how open and honest they are. I think it's reactionary sometimes and I don't think it's always necessary. Um, the timing of it, it I, can get, I can get why people would be put off by that. Um, because that statement to me, as open and honest and transparent as it was, it, it was kind of depressing. Um, I don't think parts of it were needed, if I'm honest. Because I thought, I, I don't think it was needed to say we're probably only going to be signing a very limited amount of players. Um, because that is just going to, it's just going to annoy people and make people wonder why they bother. So I can see why people would be put off um, purchasing the season ticket because you add that statement to the the whole uncertainty around the whole situation, and it just it, it's going to make some people think right, I'm, it's not worth the risk. Yeah, Ryan Chaff sort of touched on it a little bit there, but that transparency you always want that from the board. But like Chaff said, is it always the right thing? Like, will it put people off? buying season tickets but also if potential players are reading that um, and seeing the sort of the tone of it and seeing that oh look we're really struggling and it looks like we're only going to be able to to add maybe two or three players to a squad that only just escape relegation anyway if you're a potential player you're looking at that thinking oh that sounds like the sort of club that I want to go and join um, Firstly the transparency thing I don't think they can win sometimes because they had to do it before the season ticket announcement because it sort of justifies the increase to, to people who, you know, perhaps don't think as logically as most people. Um, I think if they'd have done it after, I think they'd have got a lot of stick for that, and rightly so. So I think they had to do it before. Um, and it's more transparent than probably any chairman in the Football League has been regarding the finance. I don't know if that's for a fact, but I like it. Um, then if I'm a player first of all small amounts of additions I think was a phrase I used that could be anything that, that could be two or three that could be five or six define a small number you can't really so I think what it might do is um, sort of attract people for the right reasons attract players for the right reasons rather than just for the money because we'll see that and they know we're not going to get a King's Ransom from us. And I think one thing that newbie said and a couple of players who signed last season were, it was the brand of football and the coaching staff, um, the reputation of a football club, so, you know, um, enhancing players' abilities that has brought them to the club rather than the money. So I don't think much changes on that front. Um, it depends what type of player you are and why you're moving, I guess. But, I'd hope not. It'll put some off, don't get me wrong. It'd put Henderson off, didn't it, for example. So, it's, it's one of those things, but, yeah, I just, yeah, again, so that's a positive, but in the statement, um, it's obviously not a positive for finances. Yeah, and just moving it back to the season tickets for a minute, it's something we were talking about off-air a few seconds ago. Um, the... The number of fans that are going to be allowed into the stadium at the start of the season, Chaff, that's looking like it's going to be around 2,100. 
Uh, we believe that, that that's going to be mostly season tickets and then there's going to be an opportunity for some people to, to get their hands on a few remaining tickets. On that front, for someone like myself who won't be a season ticket holder just because of the sheer amount of games that I won't be able to get to next season, um, what is the incentive for me um, to pay £25 to be able to apply basically for a few hundred tickets for maybe every game all season. We don't know how long that's going to last. It could be a case of me paying £25 and then just to become this a member of the family or whatever it was called, I can't remember um, how it was worded, but for me to pay £25 then not be guaranteed that I can even get a ticket for a game all season, is there an incentive for me beyond you know supporting the club really? Um it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because I kind of think that the the membership card should should aid you in being able to get into the ground as and when you want. But restrictions mean that that is, is not going to be the case. So um, I can see your point. I don't know the answer. Um, but I, I can certainly see the point. Um, I think, in principle, it's a it's a it's a good thing. It's a, a new initiative. I think the club sometimes are guilty of not coming up with enough new initiatives and sticking with what's worked in the past rather than what could work better. Um, but it's yeah, it's a it's a tricky it's a tricky one. Um, if it's not going to guarantee you um, the ability to get into the ground to watch the games, so. Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I think for the price that it is, you'd need to go to six games to justify paying for the £25. Um, oh, sorry, five games. And there's no guarantee you'll get into five games without a season ticket, uh, the way that we are. So I can understand sort of the apprehension with that as well. And just whilst we're on this sort of um, the conversation that's been occurring around the board and the statement and the season tickets at the minute. Um, Ryan, I just wanted to ask you what your what your opinions were. Basically, sorry, this is a bit of a a big question, but on the um, <laughs> it's a bit of a sigh from you there. But just on, basically on the reactions that we're getting from people, because it does seem to be at times that the, that it's a real partisan split, doesn't it? Where half of the fans are, are on the board's back no matter what, and the other half will defend them to the hilt regardless of what's actually said. <laughs> yeah. Um... It's always going to be the case, I think. It's tough because I don't know the people personally, but it's clear to me that a lot of those were sort of big, probably big fans of Chris Dunphy at the time, and then he's gone. Again, nobody but those in the boardroom and potentially a couple of other people know exactly what happened there. So... People have just assumed that the people in charge now have, have ousted Chris Dunphy. Um, so that now anything this current board does is wrong. Um, but I'm trying to think of a scenario where people wouldn't want about it, but I can't. It's a strange one, being honest. I think I'm, it's very split, but a lot of people are completely, totally against him. A lot of people who are, the, book, the current board can't do anything wrong. And there's very few people in the middle. So the debates and the arguments are sort of, they're just pointless because there's never going to be, there's no neutral. 
So it's just becoming toxic, to be honest. Um, I can see it getting wet. I think there was a time earlier this season where there was that Facebook group that I'm proud to not be part of, um, where we're on about getting banners and doing a protest outside the door. It's, com- it's just nonsensical. It's like, I don't know what people want from me, but I think they've made mistakes, don't get me wrong. But yeah, it's strange one. I, I have to delete Twitter sometimes to, to try and keep my mouth shut and not get blocked or anything again. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, it makes for good entertainment, but I can imagine my club, you know, members of the staff of the club are just Terminator all the time. Yeah, Chaff, do you think some of that criticism maybe comes out of a little bit of jealousy when we see other clubs of our level and even in the league below going out and signing players and, and the, the signing that we've made has obviously come from a lower level, whereas teams that are level like Carlisle who are in League 2 and have made five or six signings, I think. Do you think maybe some supporters are looking across at clubs like that and saying, well, it's the same situation for them. They must have, lot of, must have lost a lot of money as well. How are they going out and signing players? Yeah, because I'm doing that myself, if I'm honest. Uh, I'm looking at Twitter every day and I'm seeing the likes of Carlisle um, signing four or five players. Scunthorpe signed five players in one day the other day. And, and then we're saying we might not sign that many all summer. So it's, I can see, yeah, it, that will be one of the, the main reasons why people um, are a bit worried. I don't, I don't know whether jealousy is the right word, but they're, they're worried um, after seeing that statement. Um, it, it, it almost reads like, that statement almost reads like an excuse. Um almost a justification if we end up getting relegated next season to me. Um, but yeah, I think some of the criticism that the, the board get is welcome. Um, I think, well not welcome, but I think it's good that there's a challenge there um, because it obviously means that they're, they're taking on board what is being said uh, if they're coming out with these statements. Because it, it is a reaction to what's being said. And I think certain people probably have, not an agenda, but they, they're they very loyal to the previous regime under Chris Dunphy for all the service that he put in. And then because he left under a cloud, people instantly think the worst and start worrying, especially with the... Uh, the situations going on at Bury, new ownership, well, not new ownership, but new people in charge and stuff like that, and it just causes a bit of worry. Yeah, I think I agree with both of you in that in that the board have, have definitely made mistakes and deserve criticism for those mistakes, and it's kind of frustrating when um, you're willing to give praise when it when it's due, and then some people will turn around and say, "Oh, you're one of these people who defend the board no matter what," and then. When you criticise the board, the other half of the fan base seem to turn around and go, "Oh well, um, you, you just got an agenda," and it's just not the case. Like some of us, I would even say probably most of us um, are actually judging the board on their actions rather than you know any sort of agenda. Um, and I think it, like you say, it's a little bit toxic when when people are just at each other's throats, regardless of what their opinion is, and. It seems like the board can't do a single thing that everyone agrees on, which tells me that there's some people um, that, that definitely are willing to, to go one way or the other without actually 
judging everything on, on its merits. Um, I also agree. I actually had the word, um, I actually had the phrase tempering expectations written down. So I definitely agree with what you were saying as well about uh, that statement and it feeling like a justification for what is likely to be a pretty bad season. Um, that's kind of what it felt like to me. Um, Ryan, obviously we, we don't know um, the same amount as the board do in terms of the finances and stuff, but just something that, that has maybe confused me a little bit, and forgive me if I'm being a little bit dim here, but to me, I'm still struggling to figure out how we're losing that much money um, that, the board, that the statement suggests. We've missed six home games, I think. Um, where else would the money have come from over the last few months anyway? It's the, I think the, the figure was 625,000. Have we missed out on that from not playing six games? Because where else would we have got any sort of um, income from in the last six months anyway? Tough to say, really. I don't, it's hard without knowing. I think the executive boxes and the match ball sponsorship and, and that sort of thing, if that, so I don't know how much that costs, being honest. Um, I should do because I did look at it for the company I work for but um, you're missing out on that sort of thing and then I don't know how it works in terms of a sponsorship around the ground Who, if that's not being seen do we still pay for that to be there I'm, I'm not sure I'm, I'm speculating um, so I, I don't know being honest um, but I think yeah I, I just I guess I just just don't know um, but I can only imagine it's sponsorship and potential of you know match ball sponsorship and, and executive boxes and that sort of thing do you think it's people are maybe right then you, sorry <laughs> do you think maybe people are right to question it then because um, also you know you've got to consider the fact that we, we although it's it doesn't really cover um, anywhere near enough for for our needs, but a lot of the wages will have been covered by the furlough scheme. Obviously, at probably at two of our highest earners are now off the wage bill as well. Do you think people are right to to question the figure as much as you know the actual tone of the statement? Oh, um, perhaps right to question where the income would generally come from. To question the figure itself and the loss, no. Um, Henderson and Camps would have only gone off for. As much as a furlough scheme, I can't remember when it started, but the club would have had to cover a percentage of it from a certain date. Anderson and Council would have only gone off the bill. I think they get it at the end of June and then they get July as well if they've not found a club. So we'd have still been paying them. We'd have still been paying the others. You, you Calvin Andrews of this world, your MJs, your Ryan McCullough, all the players who were released. Um, so, no. <laughs> to that basically but your question's a good one um, and if you've got a bit trust could perhaps put that to the, to the board maybe yeah and Chaff I know we're sort of labouring the point on this um, statement a little bit now but just one more thing that I wanted to touch on um, do you think it's a little bit um, I'm trying to think of the best way to, to, to word this question but there is no mention of the facts in that statement I don't think that Last year, like this season, just gone, we would have made quite a bit of money that wasn't accounted for, wasn't budgeted for. I mean, 625000 was the figure, I think. I'm not 100% sure on that, but I think that was a figure quoted that we lost. But 
I mean, we've sold one player for a million pounds in January. We've um, had weighed, uh, we've had FA Cup ties with two Premier League clubs. Um, cup ties, sorry, obviously the United game was in the EFL Cup. Um, do you think again? There's a, a right to question. Well, six hundred twenty-five thousand pound is obviously a lot of money, but at the same time, you know, we've made a lot of money that that wasn't budgeted for at the start of the season this season as well. I think it's right to question it. Yeah. Um... The fact is, we're only going to find out when the accounts come out. Um, we did make quite quite a chunk of money last season. Um, we said at the beginning of the season that we were tightening the purse strings a lot. Um, we saw that with recruitment and the squads that we ended up having to put out, uh, relying very heavily on younger players. Um Basically, to cover the costs of uh, of years of uh, overspending under the previous manager uh, and chairman as well. Um, so we were clawing that back. Um, but yeah, to the untrained financial eye, it, you see you see cup runs and you see big player sales and. You wonder how we can be, how we can be skin. Um, not, I'm not questioning the fact that we always need more money, but yeah, it's um, it'd be interesting to see the accounts and to see if things are as genuinely bad as what it seems like they are, and then why. Yeah, and I, I would say I am very much an untrained financial eye. But um, from my point of view, just to look at it really, really simply for a second, and obviously this is just, like again, off the top of my head and, and based on very little, it's just pure um, speculation, really. But when I look at it, I think right, we've tightened the purse strings. We've still made profit just on the Matheson sale. Even with that 625,000 loss, we've, we've made profit on the season really obviously that won't be the case because we we lose money anyway just through game to game but in terms of like unbudgeted for money and um, that's still 400,000 near enough beyond what we've lost from the from the covid situation according to the statement and then we're having to tighten the purse strings again um i just wonder whether whether regardless of of the covid situation we would have had to tighten the purse strings again anyway this summer and if so, that is worrying because the wage bill that we have is already among the lowest in the league. Um, it basically, uh, it, Ryan, I, 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 <laughs> I'm sorry, I keep coming to you with all the sort of million dollar questions tonight. But really, is is the is it that we just cannot compete in League One? Is that what it is? Financially speaking, we just cannot compete at this level. Yeah, um, I think a lot of a clubs in League One have bigger fan bases, um, higher ticket prices, higher season ticket prices, better sp- said better sponsorship, probably not as loyal, but richer sponsorship and owners and investors who are willing to invest their money into a football club. We don't have that. Um, so we're, we're basically running a football club on income we can generate ourselves so ticket prices um, you know player sales and then hope that we 
get a cup run every now and again. Um, with I think as much as a lower ticket prices have been good and great for us to to only pay whatever it was last season and the season before and the season before that. How much of a detrimental effect has that had on my football club? Um, yeah, we've had more people through the door. But I'd be interested to know how much, what the difference is between season ticket sales, money, income over the last three years than it was beforehand. Because I'd be probably I'd be surprised if it's an, an increase. To be honest, and if it is, I bet it's not a big one. So, yeah, I think I just. I think footballs, a lot of football clubs are moving ahead of us in terms of the income, and it's for me, it's purely the investors. It's nothing we're necessarily doing wrong. I don't think. I think it's just that we don't have a, you know, a rich owner or a rich director or a rich whatever consortium. Um, so yeah, it's it's getting tougher and tougher. And Hill used to go on about it a lot, and we'd all be mourning him and say, oh, he's making excuses but it was probably right I know he was overspending in the end but you know it's true and I'd be surprised if we'd be one of our I think we'd have a, one of the lowest budgets in League 2 as well actual budgets before the season kicks off yeah um, I think we're, we're going to have to leave uh, that there because this has been pretty a pretty downbeat podcast so far hasn't it and there has been some exciting news over the last few days Chaff, we made our first um, signing of the summer. Obviously, we don't know loads about Alex Newby, but that highlights package of his uh, of his season at Chorley makes him look like a pretty exciting addition, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, instant comparisons um, were made to to the likes of Jordan Williams come from non-league, Donald McDermott, Scott Hogan. Um, he looks like a good player coming off that highlights package. Um, the management obviously rates him very, very highly. And other League 1 clubs and League 2 clubs were after him as well. So we're not the only ones who rate him. And it'll be interesting to see if he can make the step up because it is a step up. It's a big step up. Um, and it's going to be asking a lot. Um for him to come in and, and do the business straight away. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm quietly confident that he's a, he'll be a good acquisition for us. Um, and hopefully he can contribute um, goals and assists. Because uh, Lord knows with, that, with losing Henderson and Camps, we're, we're going to need some from somewhere. Uh, and hopefully, yeah, it, hopefully it's, it looks a good signing to me. And hopefully it proves that way. Yeah, Ryan, we obviously won't have seen much of him, as I said, and as Chaff has said there, but apart from that highlights package, and um, I know from having seen a few of those for, for players who've signed for Tottenham that you can't always judge a player on a highlights package because I remember thinking Clinton and G was going to be um, a Premier League superstar <laughs> based on one of those, but it, there's definitely something exciting about him, isn't there? And do you think he maybe looks like the sort of player that we desperately lacked at times last season that can... can um, provide a creative spark from from out out on the wing or even a bit closer maybe as a second striker or something like that definitely yeah I think 
from what I've seen on those highlights things, he looks an exciting player willing to try, you know, new things and, and bit of skill here and there, um, get shots off. Um, reluctant to judge him too far on those because you've got to remember the highlights. So there's some of those where it's one highlight in a game. Um, you know, what was he up to for the other time in that match? But and the level he was playing at, but. Yeah, definitely something to get excited about. I think if he, if he comes and, and has that no fear attitude in League One, it could be an exciting prospect for us. And you know, to to make it clear that we've fought off competition for him is another positive. And I believe BBM rates him pretty highly. Um, give him a number ten shirt, which I know it's not a massive number for Rochdale, but it's um, says it all that he's. He's likely to be in the team um, week in, week out. So, yeah, something to get excited about, that's for sure. Number 10 was Paul Tate's number, mate. Absolutely legendary number for Dale. Um, yeah. <laughs> obviously, this is the sort of play, like I said, that I think we, we missed last season. But what do you think we need to, uh, to add to the squad now? We know that f- from the board statement that it's going to be a small number of additions, but which positions do you think are the priorities at this at this stage? All of them. <laughs> At the minute, we we don't seem to have any full-backs apart from young Joe Don, who signed a new deal today, or his first pro deal today. Um, I kind of get the impression we're going to be expecting a lot out of him. But, yeah, we, we're certainly lacking in the full-back areas. We don't have a single recognised right-back other than Jimmy Keohane, who's not a natural right-back by any stretch of the imagination. Um, we've only got Joe Dunn on the other side um, strikers we can't be relying on Fabio Tavares to lead the line all season can we and Keaton Mulvey uh, we might be if you look at the, the players that we've released well yeah Jack the Kitman's getting a squad number out <laughs> um, yeah if you if you look at the players that we released released we released four strikers, if you include Matt Gillum, um, which is, yeah, nobody actually knows what his position is, but four attacking players. Five, if you include Camps as an attack-minded player. And so we're, we're going to have to replace at least at least a certain amount of that, um, regardless of the budget, just to be able to even remotely compete. So... Attacking players and full-backs. And I'm going to throw in a goalkeeper as well, I think. Um, I think it's a lot to ask of Jay Lynch to become number one goalkeeper from non-league. I think we'll possibly look at utilising the loan market. Um, probably for, for a number of positions, really. If the, if the wage budget is that stripped back, I think we'll have to use the, the loan market, but we certainly need players in, in those key positions. Yeah, I think that if we are to use the loan market as well, they're likely to come from clubs that uh, won't be affected um, too much by, by the financial implications of the current situation and, and won't need us to sort of um, pay any wages, basically. Um, on, the, on, the attacking, on the attacker's point... Um, one thing that I think I've mentioned to you two before, but I just thought is a point worth making. A few very supportive mates of mine were talking about how we were going to replace Henderson. 
um, and in terms of goals this season. Um, but when you put it that way, in terms of we've lost four attackers, um, if you if you see it as losing a full attacking unit, we're only losing really goals from Henderson. Um, I don't think Andrew scored a single goal last season. I don't think Gillum scored a single goal. I think Wilbraham got three or four. So really, that's less than 20 goals between four attacking players. Um, which, if you if you sign four attackers, you expect them to score five goals each, and then we've actually sort of replaced those goals. And I know that's a really simplistic way of putting it, um, but I, I don't think it's um, necessarily that we, we aren't going to score any goals because Ian Anderson's left. I don't think we'll go out and sign a 20-goal-a-season striker to replace him, but we might sign two or three eight-goal-a-season strikers, perhaps. Um Ryan, do you, do you agree with that in terms of the positions that we need to improve? Are they the, are they the the key ones? Do you think? Is there anyone else you'd like to see us bring in? Any any other positions? Yeah, I think for me, fullback on each side is is a necessity, um, and then in terms of need, two attackers for me. I think a goalkeeper would be nice. Probably another attacker would be nice, but I think if we can get four players in, I'd be happy if it was a right-back, a left-back and two attackers, perhaps one out wide. But you think now if, if Newby can play just behind and he does well, you could get you know a, a wide man out with Tavares, Barr, Don or Dooley, as daunting as that might sound to some, but there's a decent enough player out of those four, I think. So if you can get a centre forward in a Humphreys mode, perhaps, um, as much as I hate going on about signing next players all the time, um, and another another wide man, I'd, I'd be reasonably pleased with that because I think our core is is pretty good. We've got three decent centre halves um, and a plethora of options in midfield. So, um. Yeah, the, the flanks are the most important for me in the centre-forward. Yeah, can't, can't disagree with that again. Um, Chaff, I know you were uh, using your football manager connections to sort of have a look at a few of the players that were out of contract. Have you got any names for us that you'd maybe like to see that are, are possible realistic signings in the next few weeks? Well... What may have been realistic signings two weeks ago may not be realistic signings anymore. <laughs> so it's quite difficult to say. But um, if you look down the release list, there's, there's some names there that you know that, that, that do stand out as possibly being realistic. Um, I like that Harry McCurdy from um, Carlisle. I know he's, Chris Beach, I think, said that he's got maybe a few... Uh, issues he kind of lives in his own little world sometimes uh, and it might be an application issue but if we can if he's somebody that can can get the best out of then I think he'd be a, a tremendous asset um, but then if, if that was the case then maybe Carlisle had to get hold of him um, full back position um, I don't know Bradford have released uh, Adam Henley Um May well be an option. Again, I don't know if he's a realistic option. Um, Hayden White from Mansfield is another one that I looked at and stood out to me. Um, there's not many attacking options, I don't think. Um, certainly not realistic ones. Um, 
the one that stood out to me um, was the fact that he's Irish, well, Northern Irish, might, might help, but Shane McCartan, who was at um, Bradford and formerly at Accrington, um, maybe one of those that can sort of fill the, the Calvin slash Wilbraham mould and maybe add a few more goals than those two. Um, but yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot of players available. There's probably a lot less that are realistic, uh, but we're going to have to do something. And they might, it might be that they become realistic in a few weeks' time because there's so many players out of contract that, you know, if they don't lower the wage demands, they might be looking for work outside of football. So, um, you know, a lot can change in the next few weeks and we'll see what happens. But there's definitely a few names there that are interesting that you mentioned. Um, McCartan is definitely one that I'd be quite happy to see join us. Um, I know he's not everyone's cup of tea, but I'm quite a fan of him. Um, but yeah, so uh, one last little thing, just one one word answer from both of you on this. Um, if you had to predict what position we're going to finish in next season, uh, one word answer, Ryan? 21st. Chaff? 24th. Okay, that's all. Yeah. 24th. I'm a bit slated for that, I know. <laughs> no, 24th, I'm the same. I, I've, I'm, I've got, I'm feeling really down on the current se- on the coming season after the year. Uh, after the statement, but anybody who anybody who knows me knows that I'm negative anyway. <laughs> so anything above that's well. Last season, I remember writing a bit of a blog saying that I thought we were going to go down, and then I was sort of by the third or fourth game, really impressed with the way we started the season. So you know, any, anything could happen. And but yeah, uh, right at this minute, I think we're all feeling pretty uh, pretty pessimistic. Um, this has been one depressing podcast. <laughs> um, so we'll finish on a bit of a lighter note. I've got a little bit of a game for you both. So um, stolen directly from the Quickly Kevin podcast. I don't know if either of you have listened to that. But basically, uh, I'm going to name a Rochdale game and I want you to tell me a player that's played it, that played for Dale in that game. And the first one to name someone who didn't play uh, loses. All right. So the game is Wolves 3, Rochdale 1. In the FA Cup 2003. So, um, Rai, I'll start with you first. If you can name one player who played for Dale, I'll include substitutes that didn't come on. So, anyone who was in the match day squad that day. Am I allowed to ask questions? Was it it one on telly? Yeah, it was a one on telly. It was at Molyneux. um, 3 1 defeat. They were both on telly. Yeah, they were both on telly. One was away and one was at home. This is the away one that was in the FA Cup. Win Evans. Correct. Chaff? Gavin Milak. Yeah. Never heard of him. He scored. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, another one. Um, oh. Yeah, first one First one to say someone who didn't play loses. That's how it works. I'm sure we've played this before, but obviously you'd had a few drinks. Gareth Griffiths. Correct. Chaff? Paul Simpson. Correct. I'm going to have to edit out uh, all this dead air as well because people are going to think that the podcast has ended. <laughs> Who did you say, sorry? Paddy. Paddy McCourt is incorrect. No appearance from Paddy McCourt. So that's 1-0 to Chaff. I'm going to keep a running score of this one and we'll do a different game next time. Uh, interestingly, three Premier League winners 
in the Wolves squad that night? Can anyone, can you name them? Two, two had won it previously and one, one of them has, has won it since. Paul Ince. Paul Ince, yeah. Don't worry, guys, I will edit that out to look like you got it straight away. All this, all this space. I genuinely can't think of anybody in that Wolves team that day apart from Adam Proudlock. Julian Lescott. Julian Lescott is correct. Oh, so a shout. And then the what other a shout that is. The other one is uh, an ex United player, Chaff, so. Oh, forget about it. <laughs> Scumbag. Well. I can't remember anyone apart from Paul Lynch who would have played for both. Dennis Irwin. Dennis yeah. Irwin. Oh, <laughs> you know, I think you probably said that at the same time as me, but because it's recorded from here and there was a bit of a lag on Zoom, it's going to sound like you've just said it straight after I've said it, so unlucky, mate. <laughs> Which Paul Tate? Paul Tate, no, Paul Tate played, I think he scored, didn't he, in the game that was at Spotland against him a couple of years later. Oh, yeah, okay, so 1-0 to Chaff. Um, we'll, keep, we'll keep a running, a running score of that one. As we go on. Can the next one be a game where I was um, sort of at least junior right, in well, primary school? What, I, I actually was going to go for a game before this, but then I remember you saying that you remember this cup run, so I thought I'm going to be kind to him and at least do one that he should half remember, but obviously that's not the case, so I'll go a little bit later next time. All right, um, all that's left for me to say then is... Thanks for joining me, guys. Chaff, thanks for coming on, mate. Nice one, thank you very much. And Rye, thanks for your input, as always. No, thank you. Speak to you soon. Yeah, I hope the next one's a little bit more positive. <laughs> Let's hope so.